0: Selling a dental practice can be a complex process. Too often, doctors sabotage the sale of their practice by first trying to do it on their own. Yet, if you're even remotely thinking about selling, I know it has crossed your mind. I know you're asking, how difficult can it be? The Internet has a wealth of how to information. After all, I want to hold on to any equity I can squeeze out of the practice I worked so hard to build. Familiar? Yes. Reasonable? Not so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda, a consultant with Paragon. I'm here with my good friend, Paragon's national speaker and director of continuing education, recruitment, and advanced training, Dr. Burge Ferregiuk. Dr. Burge is going to help us realize that while you may avoid paying commissions, you're also losing the guidance and advocacy a Paragon consultant provides. Hi, Burge, and welcome. Thank you, Amanda. Well, my first question, going back to the introduction, how does a doctor sabotage the sale of their practice by first doing it on their own, trying to do it on their own? Well, there are
1: multiple reasons, but there's one I want to start with that I think is perhaps the most important one. And that reason is confidentiality or the lack thereof. More than likely, a, do-it-yourself or a do-it-yourselfer will do the research to see how he or she can sell their practice. And, you know, they might go to the various websites as resources, and find out that what they recommend. And here are some of the things that I've come across on websites. You've got to be transparent with your staff, colleagues, and get this, even with patients. I, I, I can't believe that being in this business that you've got to tell your patients. And the other reason is after having transitioned thousands of practices in over 30 years nationwide, these recommendations are antithetical the Paragon's proven philosophy and very destructive to the practice value.
0: So why is confidentiality so important?
1: Well, let's look at it this way. What is the real value of a practice? It simply is the patient population, because without patients, you cannot produce income. So everything has to be done to retain those patients. You tell me, if patients knew that they were to be sold, quote-unquote, wouldn't they be offended? Wouldn't I be offended? And they might end up leaving right away or wait until the new doctor takes possession and then leave then. Patients are human beings, and they're not tangible assets like a home. You know, words start spreading throughout the community, and your colleagues will find out, and actually they'll help spread the news, hoping that they will pick up some of the patients looking for a new home. How can you market the practice for sale without your staff, patients, or colleagues finding out? How can you ask a prospective buyer to sign a confidentiality agreement and expect to enforce it? So as patients leave, the value of the practice will go down.
0: Well, how does a doctor maintain control of confidentiality and work with a Paragon consultant?
1: In a nutshell, allow the Paragon consultant to screen the potential buyers, educate them. So, so important to educate the buyers because most of them coming out of school really don't know what they're supposed to even look for. Show them all the stats about the practice and get them financially pre-qualified. That's so important, that potential point, because if they can't afford a, a particular practice, why do you want to even show them the practice? The other point is this is all done without the buyer or buyers ever knowing who the seller is and where the practice is. This information is only divulged after the seller is informed of a qualified buyer. And they have to approve of that disclosure, knowing full well that the buyer has signed a non-disclosure statement. And sometimes, believe it or not, our challenge is more to convince the seller that's best for them not to tell anyone, not their staff, not their patients, not their colleagues. The only ones we say you you could really confide in are going to be the professionals who by profession have to be confidential to begin with, and if you have significant others, those significant others.
0: Well, before a practice can sell, we need to establish an accurate sales price. How does a doctor who is thinking of selling their practice themselves go about determining the value?
1: You you might do what I naively did when I decided to sell my own practice. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those doctors we're just talking about right now. Uh, before Paragon sold my practice, before that, I, I took a stab at it myself. Yes, and I thought I could do it myself uh, because the whole purpose was I wanted to save the commission that I would have to pay for a broker. You know, that that's how we are. Uh, we expect our patients to pay us our full fee, but uh, we, we don't really want to pay any kind of fee to any other professional. So here's what I did yeah it's yeah it's kind of scary, isn't it, that uh, we think mm-hmm. we can do everything, so what I did was uh wh- why' don't I ask those people uh that I deal with, like the supply guy uh, and i say skip uh, what what's the rule of thumb for practice appraisal? I did the same thing uh also with with the lab guy, and I, you know they pretty much said, oh seventy, eighty percent, of course, I took the eighty percent." So I I didn't look at any stats in my practice. I just took my gross. I said 80%, that's going to be the number. Then I did the other thing, which we always lecture not to do, is I started advertising in the dental journals, in the mag, wherever, just to say, you know, I'm looking for an associate to eventually buy me out. And I, I fielded the phone calls. I spoke with them on the phone. They came in for interviews. Of course, the staff knows what's going on all this time. And I, I even let one of them shadow me uh, in the office because they want to see that famous flow of the practice. Uh, I was introducing her to the patient, saying, uh, you know, Dr. Bayer or Dr. Associate is going to be joining us soon and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we came to an agreement, and I also did my own contract because I can be a lawyer as well. You know, why why not do everything? time? <laughs> Uh, it was a, a, a very comprehensive three-page contract that I wrote up myself. And looking back at it, it was all in my favor. Everything was in my favor. And, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Why, why not? I'm, I'm doing the whole kit and caboodle. So I, I, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the doctor signed it. And, of course, I want to make it official and legal. So uh, I, I asked my front desk manager, who also uh, was a notary, I said, notarize this thing so we'll make it really legal and official. <laughs> and I'm, I'm all happy. I'm home. After dinner, I get this phone call, and she tells me I changed my mind. Perhaps at that time it was one of the toughest things to hear, but it was, in retrospect, it was the best thing that happened to me because I found right. out I made so many mistakes you know, thereafter. So what I learned was is that when you ask the people you think should know, it turns out not to really be the case. The dental supply rep will, you know, is either going to look at it from the value of the equipment or it's kind of regurgitate what they've heard the rule of thumb is the lab lap tech might throw out the same type of number. Now try to be helpful to a loyal customer. And I was a very loyal customer for 30 years. An accountant might look at it as any other type of business. Which a dental practice is not. A dental practice is not a pizza business. It's not like the regular type of thing. It, it, as we said, it's got intangible assets, which is basically the patient population, goodwill. So other professionals who have not personally analyzed and appraised appraised practices might also go on the conventional wisdom. So that's how it's done most of the time when you're trying to do it on your own.
0: All right, well, let's say a do-it-yourselfer decides to heed the advice of those who think they know. Wouldn't they still come out ahead financially, even if they're off by, like, five or 10000
1: On the face of it, it looks like it should be okay, but the answer is not at all. If anything, they could actually stand to lose a lot more than they think they would save by, you know, not paying the commission. Yeah, well, how so? first you know they they will get the actual will they get the actual value of the practice when they're doing it on their own will they play that expected negotiation game you know how it is when you know that you're going to negotiate something you might think the value of a practice is x you say well no i'm going to do x plus y because i'm going to negotiate and hopefully i'll work my way down to x are they going to be able to structure the purchase for a favorable tax advantage, which would increase the net amount they retain after the sale of the practice? Do they know the difference between goodwill and hard assets, assets from the tax perspective? Will they be able to maintain amicability during negotiations? The answer is probably not. And how much will they be spending on outside advisors to put the deal together? And In those situations, when you're doing it yourself, with outside help? What percent of the time will these practices close? Would all of the negativity that can develop? These are all good questions, and the answer is that these advisors have told us when we've spoken with them, the ones that have helped the do-it-yourselfers, that they're clients and there's a 50% chance of things closing. From Paragon's experience of 90% plus close rate, 50% is an abysmal number. So what the do-it-yourselfer is thinking of saving may actually end up costing more and have only a 50% chance of closing. The last I heard, outside advisors don't return any of their fees. Uh, so that's where they lose.
0: hmm Well, how does a Paragon consultant act as a liaison or intermediary in the transition process?
1: Well, it is not a good idea for a buyer and seller to talk about the details of a practice sale directly to each other. First of all, neither one of them really knows what they should be talking about, and this allows room for emotions to to color your opinions or comments sometimes so and because many issues arise during these talks that can quickly lead to unnecessary negotiations and even anger which is completely counterproductive to the sale process you know some of these issues will often be complex and contentious by having an experienced intermediary intervening on the doctor's behalf it provides the necessary time to think through the various scenarios before you actually commit yourself to, to something. So if a mm-hmm. seller deals directly with the purchaser, he or she might commit themselves before they have adequately considered the alternatives. But in an experienced dental practice consultant, you will find that we, we will offer options, some of which might never have been considered by either party. With an experienced intermediary, the seller will probably never hear of the things that could cause serious problems after the deal is closed because these problems are solved without he or she ever having to get involved. So in other words, if there's some things that either one wants, it becomes up to the consultant who's experienced saying, look, I know you want this, but this is going to be detrimental to the transition. So why not nip it in the bud before the other person even hears about it? In most practice transitions, it is imperative that the purchaser and seller get along once the sales closes, right? This is obviously difficult if the two have been battling and negotiating directly every step of the way.
0: Well, let's take this a little further. Let's uh, talk about why is experience crucial?
1: Well, selling down practices is a very complicated and difficult task. Most of the value is, probably, is, is primarily based on intangible items, such as goodwill. And this invariably leads to very complicated and extremely delicate issues. Another thing is a high price value, and a practice that has a higher price value, makes financing acquisition more difficult. As you probably know, banks only want to loan money using collateral that they can touch. But knowing which lenders might be interested in financing which practices is a skill that only can be learned through vast experience. And Paragon has that experience. Successfully selling a dental practice also involves a very steep learning curve. It's like if we threw out to you and say, okay, go do dentistry uh, without really preparing you. Well, that's going to be a pretty steep and dangerous learning curve. On the patients, so an experienced Mm -hmm. transition consultant knows how and where to find prospective purchasers, and how to interview them, and more importantly, screen them prior to even introducing them to the potential to to the seller. The goal is to actually eliminate those tire kickers, and 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 that's that's the biggest thing that we're doing, at least with Paragon. So, because we don't really want to waste the seller's time and also decrease his or her ability to maintain confidentiality. You know, even if people say, uh, sign a non disclosure statement, sometimes, you know, the more people find out about it, the more people are involved, there's a, you increase those chances of that confidentiality being breached. Also, experienced consultants have developed methods to ensure confidentiality and instinctively know what information is essential to evaluating and presenting your practice opportunity. So, these are all the things we know. That, you know, what do we say to the potential buyer at what point, is, is the, that's also important. Experienced consultants also know what information is to be given to interested prospects, and the various crucial stages of the practice sale process this is what I just said you don't just give everything right from the start because it it is going to come at the particular time the right time when you know that the buyer is really serious and is as you're progressing down the road to introduce them more and more to the practice also consultants understand how to structure the sale properly and advantageously so that you will reap the maximum after-tax benefits. That's what we're talking about as far as a potential loss to the do-it-yourselfer. It is extremely rare that a dentist trying to sell his or her own practice, even with the help of an accountant or attorney, will possess these critical skills. And it takes years of successfully closing transactions to gain this knowledge. There's intuitiveness and experience. It is Paragon's experience that, more often than not, the first purchaser candidate that the seller actually meets face-to-face is the candidate that will purchase the practice. That doesn't mean that the first person who called to have interest, no, the, it's after we've really screened everyone and we've finally decided this one candidate, I think, is going to be the right match. So we often interview numerous purchases for that purpose so that we get to know them. And and again, I I can't emphasize emphasize enough that we really do educate buyers. In short, this is not the time or place for on-the-job training. The stakes are far, far too high. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, how can inexperience end up costing more in the long run?
1: Well, Perhaps getting less than the practice actual value because of negotiations. The other point is improperly structuring The asset allocation does exposing oneself to more taxes, having to be paid on the proceeds. Third is paying advisor fees, which will never be returned if the practice sale doesn't come to fruition. I mean, you you know how much attorneys and accountants cost. Losing patients before practice value because of the, uh, therefore the practice value going down, of course, because of the inability to maintain confidentiality. The bottom line is that when thinking about selling your dental practice, thrifty is not nifty.
0: Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, let's sum it all up for our listeners. What's our takeaway?
1: The chances are that the cost for do it yourself will. I can't even say that word anymore. (laughs) Do-it-yourselfer will actually end up being more than having a professional transition consultant handle the transition. That's point one. The second point Mm -hmm. we should take away, it's also near impossible to maintain confidentiality. It's very difficult to do-it-yourselfer to establish an accurate sales price. It takes experience to know which lending institutions are best for dental practice transitions. And finally, the need to realize that as a dental professional, we can do dentistry and should not be a jack of all trades. Let the professionals handle the transition of your practice that you have spent decades to develop. After all, it's a very crucial part of your retirement income.
0: Well, thank you for sharing, well, your, knowledge you for sharing your knowledge, Bird. And thank you all for listening. A few more things before you go. Please call our toll-free number, 866-898-1867, or visit our website, paragon.us.com, to find current listings and free resources. Or get social, like us on Facebook, post comments, or ask questions. Be well, everyone.